now, a special edition of the Toddcast Podcast. Powered by Citywide Mortgage Services. Providing complete financing and mortgage services for residential and small commercial businesses. Visit them at citywidemortgage.ca. Now, here's your host, Todd Hancock. Well, another year has come and gone. It's crazy how they fly by, hey? Don't you find that it gets even faster as you get older? Like, I just turned 49 about a week, week and a half back now. And this is, without a doubt, the fastest year of my life. Everything is just flying by. This podcast, working full-time at BCIT here in Vancouver in their radio arts and entertainment program, Uh, Two kids, a wife. Of course, I try to be there for them as much as humanly possible. And certainly the most expensive year of my life. A couple trips to the Okanagan, staying at the Airbnbs. A couple trips to Tofino, staying at these little A-frame cabins right on the ocean at Ocean Village Resort. Love that place. My kids are just growing up way too fast. Suddenly, in the blink of an eye, they're like grade five, grade seven. Time flies. And speaking of, this is it, the final Toddcast of 2022. Season 8, crazy to think, we're starting year 9 next month. My name is Todd Hancock. Thank you so much for listening, for being there, sharing, retweeting, commenting on social media. We're well aware, of course, of the options out there for you. Don't take it for granted that you're here checking out the second part of our Year in Review podcast. We'll get to some highlights of this year's musical guests in just a sec, coming up shortly in Stop Me If You've Heard This Before, 2020 Olympic bronze medalist Evan Dunphy talking about his Olympic memories, the things that still stand out from his time over in Tokyo. That is powered by our friends at FKP MMA. Just a a few short weeks back, they renewed sponsorship for all of 2023. Honored to have them on. Big love for Mr. Franco, his team, learn self-defense, build your self-esteem, meet new friends, get some great exercise in the meantime. My little guy Levi has been going a couple times a week now for about a year. In fact, he just did his, uh, his first test for yellow just a couple of weeks back. And how cool is that to watch your kids growing up? Vancouver's number one training destination at FKP MMA. Stop me if you've heard this before. It's coming up. First, highlights from some of our musical guests this year, all of whom are powered by Vibe Cave Studios in East Vancouver. If you got a great song, you need a great mix, look no further. Talk to Braden Pockets, and he'll get you a 15% discount on all paid referrals. In fact, we hung out, uh, was it last month, a month before now? Played me a bunch of stuff regardless, all sorts of genres as well, and some gems like this one that he did with Dominic Fricot. Of course, you would know, listening to this podcast, we've played Dom stuff regularly since we launched in 2015. So here's a snippet of a song Pockets did with Dom. It's called Curse of Too Many Options. When your princess comes Will your eyes still wander Always wanting more Life than what you got. Workers with far too many options. It's so hard to love the ones we're with. And I need your body like the ocean needs sand to roll over. 
And without being too cheeseball, really digging the vibe that Braden provides. Huge mixes, killer sounds, great vibes through vibecavestudios.com. So it was late May when you heard a Grammy Award winner on the podcast. You'll better know Xavier Amin de Frappelez as Fantastic Negrito, the eighth of 15 kids, the only one musically inclined, or so he says. And when Xavier was a guest, he talked about being musically inspired after learning about his family's heritage. I discovered that I'm 28% white. <laughs> I mean, basically... Yeah, basically, that's what happened. I mean, I get these ancestry links that someone had sent me. And, you know, I saw these pictures on my mother's maternal side of these well-dressed African-Americans. So I'm thinking, isn't this the time of slavery? Like, why are you well-dressed? Right. Makes no sense. So I'm digging through the files. You ever been on there? No, no, not me personally. No, I haven't. But I've got buddies who have done it, yeah. Yeah, and then I, it's you know I see this paperwork. It says registered free Negroes. I'm like registered free. How did that happen? You know, I'm going to third generation, fourth generation, which is unheard of for us because how we got here. Sure. Fifth generation, sixth generation. Now I'm like, come on, man. This is. I keep retracing it back till it gets to a paper in the seventh generation. One document, and then. There's a name of a woman, it says Elizabeth Gallimore, presented in Amelia County Court for unlawfully cohabitating with a Negro slave belonging to Henry Jones, you know, Virginia. And I thought, wow, these are probably exactly the people that I'm related to, you know, rule breakers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Breakers. And what a trip, right? To learn about your heritage and find about those stats. Fantastic Negrito. Easily one of the best to do blues, R&B, roots music. He's won the best contemporary blues album, the Grammy Award, three times and talked about the steps it took to win each one. Well, you get nominated and then people vote and then you find out when everybody else finds out. And no, I think you I find out in advance, really? No, absolutely not. Oh, I didn't know that. You don't, oh, yeah, no. you don't find out in advance. You Right there, you find out. So first of all, about the Grammys, it's great. It's... um. But I think every time I've made an album, I've been surprised. I go, okay, well, I'll go. Remember the first album was like what it was, very like poetic, this urban poetic landscape of this blues kind of feeling thing. And I thought, well, it's time to turn the guitars up, boys. And I made second album. People are, they were like, oh my God, what are you doing? Is this a rock record? I remember because of Plastic Hamburgers. And then I think with the third album, it was just a complete turn away from that so I'm always just going like where I think I'm needed Mm. and I'm trying to push I'm I'm always trying to push and I'm always surprised at the Grammy thing I'd be like well just like now I'm feeling like well I think I picked a topic they don't want to talk about everybody's uncomfortable I've I've gotten hate mail already from from black people and white people you know wow so that's cool I mean I feel like yeah I just, you can't think of the Grammys, man. I you just you can't really be an artist and, and think of it. I can't. It's something that like you get it for one day, you got it, you look at it, invite friends over, everyone has drinks and food, and then you put it away. And I don't mean on the shelf, I mean you put it away. Yeah. Because you just don't want to be thinking about that, man. I waited this long to become a an artist in my being a middle-aged guy. I mean, going out on the street. <laughs> 
playing. I and I, it's fun to be an artist. There's no why would I ruin it by like getting like the industry in my head? I'm an old guy who gets to do what he wants. It's 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 not bad, you know. I think it was just after summer that you heard Dirty Honey singer Mark LaBelle on the podcast. Now, here's a band. They've been around since 2017. They didn't release the debut EP till 19. It's an indie band who's had a number one song on Billboard's mainstream rock song chart. It's insane. And when he was a guest, Mark talked about releasing their album during the pandemic and whether there was talk in their camp to hold off. Yeah, the only reason for that would have been... um in terms of recording it and like getting in the same room as the producer, instead of doing it like, like this via zoom with him. Right. Um, that was looking back. Like I, I never want to do that again. <laughs> what a crazy, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, did you guys all manage to evade COVID? No, I've probably had it like five times now. Right. Um, I didn't get it during <clears throat> lockdown though. I got it. You know, I got it. Maybe, maybe it was kind of on the the back end of maybe that second year. Um, the first time I got it, I literally was at hockey. Um, I was actually I was doing some work for a friend and uh, helping him out doing locations for a photo shoot with J Lo of all people. Not that I I don't know her or anything like that. I was just working this thing. Yeah, and um. You know, it's obviously very high end talent or whatever, and they make you get COVID tested before you come to the the photo shoot set. And I went to this like this testing site, didn't think anything of it, felt completely fine. Went to hockey, came back from hockey with like a dozen voicemails from the producer who was like, "You have COVID." Like I was like, "Fuck, man." Um, and then yeah, the next day I felt like total shit for probably forty eight hours, and then it was fine. And ultimately, it is about getting the new music out to your fans, right? Bands have struggled over the last few years, and it's great to see things starting to feel like, quote, normal again. And like we tend to do, we got into it with Dirty Honey's singer. He talked about binge-watching The Terminal List. His good buddy is in that. He shared his thoughts on aliens visiting Earth, being asked to play NHL's Winter Classic. How cool. And Mark shared his opinion about the Batman with Robert Pattinson and talked about a Hollywood job that he once had. I did watch uh, the Batman on the flight home from from Europe, but oh, the, it's just because it was like, with, uh, with yeah, with Pattinson. Pattinson. Yeah, yeah. It was really Very good. good. Um, but yeah, I'm not like a big superhero, huh. like comic book, uh, movie guy I, I, I typically like the movies to be rooted in some sort of reality right well, I you think know, Batman I'm, would probably be as close as you could possibly get for a super like he's just a dude that can fight <laughs> yeah I mean at, on some level I'm sure all the comic book like superheroes are um, that's what makes them like relatable but yeah I read so many when I first moved to LA I was like a script reader for a second and like I read so many like bad scripts that when you you see a film that really like you know that this it's it's all about the script and like obviously somebody wrote something that was so amazing that it was unavoidable to to pass it over yeah. um you know you you really gravitate towards those films and you know the last one in recent memory that i saw that i could see like just being a great you know piece of paper with awesome words on it was probably the green book 
Um, it was just like a movie about a jazz, black jazz musician, like going around the country dealing with racism in like, I don't know, the fifties or the forties or something. And it was, oh, okay. his driver was, uh, Vigo Mortensen. And, um, it was great. It was an amazing movie. Shortly after Dirty Honey singer was a guest, Serena Ryder was on a cross Canada tour locally that was presented by Rocket Boy. And we hit up their owner, Rob, who in turn dial up this chat with Serena, who of course you've known about and heard about since 2007, when her song Weak in the Knees was a big national hit. Since then, eight studio albums, huge world tours, domination at the Junos. In 2008, the Juno Award for the Best New Artist of the Year. The next year, 2009, Adult Alternative Album of the Year 2010. She won the Best Video of the Year for A Little Bit of Red. To date, Serena's won seven Juno Awards. All of those accolades. And listen to Serena talking about career highlights. I feel like, you know, it's it's like in the moment when it happens in the moment. And I feel like one of my biggest career highlights has been, has happened really recently where... I've played Massey Hall many times. Um, but this was, I played a headlining show on April 1st of this year. And I felt so present in myself when I was there. Like normally with something like that, I would kind of dissociate or be so nervous that I couldn't even like slow my heart rate down or be where I was. And so a lot of the time when my emotions are really high, um, I don't remember things, right? Because I'm not really there. I'm too nervous mm. and I can't really be grounded and be in myself. And um, I played Massey Hall with William Prince. We sold it out. It was sold out and there was just so much love in the room and I felt like, like I remember the show top to tail and I remember being on the stage and I remember, and just, you know, the honor of being able to play sell out Massey Hall, you know, is, is Matt is amazing. So that's one. And then I guess a, another career highlight was actually just this past, this past weekend. Oh, cool. Where I, I played in, uh, I played at this festival called Bear Creek in Alberta and because I've been touring for so long and the Canadian music world is such a tight kind of community, like after you've been touring for a while, it's like you're friends and family with everybody. And I got to this festival and festivals are my favorite because it's not the you show, it's right. the everybody show. Yeah. And then of it's course you get to watch bands too. And you get to it's watch fun, bands right? and hang yeah. out and jam with people. Yeah. And there were just so many amazing musicians that I loved and adored for so long, but that were actually all my friends now that I've, I felt really close to. And so I was able to kind of be there and be in awe and also know them and love them. And it felt so great, like to be able to, like, I ended up performing with a bunch of my friends. I sang with Rose Cousins, who's one of my all time favorite writers and singers. I sang my favorite song with her. I sang with Blackie and the Rodeo Kings and I've been, you know, I'm family with, with Tom, like he's family. Like I, his son's my boyfriend, Thompson. So it was like this family. And then um, I sang with um, Steve Earle. I got up and sang with Steve Earle at the end of the night 
And because he had taken me on tour when I was 19, 20 years old in Australia Mm. and really took me under his wing and like made sure I was getting home on time, make sure that I was eating and that I was safe, you know? And he actually sang on my new record too. Steve Earl um, did a duet with me. Um, So I have like a duet side of the new album, The Art of Falling Apart. And there's a bunch of different duets I do with people that I love. Steve Earl, Melissa Etheridge, people that I've known for a really long time as well. So I just felt really, really, I did feel like this past weekend was like so much gratitude. And crazy to talk to Serena about career highlights, knowing that she's had some moments that are straight up mind blowers. Like in 2008, she got the Margaret Trudeau Mental Health Advocacy Award for her work with mental health. You've heard her music in Grey's Anatomy, in the CFL. She performed O Canada at the 2014 NBA All-Star Game, the same year that she hosted the Junos, by the way. Straight up a gigantic career that started at the age of 15. Well, my serious, I'm doing this. Um, like I started, like I put out my first record when I was 15. Okay. It was wow. a tape. 15. Yeah, 15. And I made a tape in order to make enough money to make a CD. And then I released a CD when I was 16. And then I had a full band put together by the time I was 17 um, called The Weak Knees. And it was with me, Dave Tuff, Greg Roy, Bo Dixon. It was so much fun. Um, and by the time I was 18, I was in a bunch of different bands doing like cover songs and different things like that. I was in like a Marilyn Manson cover band when I was like 13. <laughs> no. Yeah. Serious, and, that's awesome. Yeah. And just lots of different things like R&B, lots of slips in the high fives, hot butter, Charlie and the oils, like really interesting music. Nice. Um, and then by the time I was, um, 19, Hoxley Workman, um, and his manager, Sandy Pandia, I was 18. They heard me on the radio and he'd wanted to sign, he'd been wanting to sign a female artist. Um, and I just started touring like crazy, um, with him in Europe, opening up for him, signed to his label. Um, his manager, Sandy became my manager. She's been my manager since I was 18. Um, you know, so we've been working together for 22 years now and it just kind of went from there. Just like, I've always been playing, 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 lots of shows, incredible different labels. So from one of the most successful Canadian female artists of all time to white snakes, bassist Tanya O'Callaghan, who you've seen her working with juggernauts over the years has toured, recorded, written, and worked with Maynard James Keenan of tool. Perfect Circle, Pussifer, Dee Schneider, of course, Twisted Sister, Steven Adler, the original drummer in Guns N' Roses, Nuno Betancourt of Extreme, The River Dance, The Voiced, she is a beast and everybody knows it. You'll love Tanya talking about career highlights. I mean, oh, I mean, there's a couple because they're slightly different. Like when I was in, when I was like a deer in headlights, I was only 20 or 21 when I was in the studio at Maynard. And that was trippy because the first time he sang on front of me in the studio, and we're, you know, collaborating on ideas, myself and Josh and himself, that was really wow because I've been listening to him for so many years and then he's sitting there singing in front of me just in the creative process like any musician just like coming up with ideas so that always sticks out because that was like oh wow this this could be a big deal if I get myself into the U.S. and circles so that's like a studio memory um 
playing like Hellfest with Dee Snyder was amazing. I always remember that one in particular because we had like a crazy routing problem to get there and uh, we all almost didn't make it. And it was like yeah. we were lost in the middle of France and it was one of those like ah, running on the stage and it was just amazing. But and then obviously like opening night in Ireland with Whitesnake was it will always be so surreal. And we finished the European tour by closing out with Steve Vai at Hellfest. So it was Steve Vai came on stage with us. And that was, we played, I played Still of the Night with Steve Vai. And I was just like, is this actually happening? (laughs) (laughs) It's like Tommy Aldridge, David Coverdale and Steve Vai. I'm like, who teleported me into this situation? (laughs) I know, right? So yeah, there's a a couple, but they're like my top three. (laughs) Yeah, great to get Tanya on a Zoom. Obviously, you'll hear more about her musical career in the full interview at iTunes and Spotify and YouTube and everywhere else. And we dove in as well, talking about the shows that she was binge-watching at the time, how European crowds, somehow they're different than North American crowds. She shared a near-death story about flying with Dee Schneider, how she's been working on some plant-based projects. She talked about her love of rugby and knowing that she's a big advocate and activist for animal issues. You got to hear what she said about her favorite land animal and favorite sea animal. It's a tough question. Oh, wow. Um, I love pigs. Uh, I love pigs. Uh, They're a big passion for me. I love all animals obviously like anyone that knows me I'm being an animal rights activist my whole life but pigs particularly because I just think they're they're so smart I've worked with pigs a lot and I worked in shelters and they're really really funny characters and you know obviously we treat them like shit in the world so that's a lot of my fight for them and favorite oh it's hard I mean sea animal I'm like save the oceans as well working on all these other Oh, your video's cutting out again. I've uh, always had a thing for orcas. orcas. I love orcas. Yeah. yeah, orcas are a big, a big love of mine. I had one of the coolest moments with orcas up uh, the Queen Charlotte's uh, in, in D.C. I was at a, a fishing resort or whatever it's called. And, uh, you know, we're fishing for salmon. And we're like, oh, let's go to another place. And so we started, you know, getting pretty fast in this boat. And I don't like it, it sounds like I'm lying, but probably like a pod of 10 to 12, 14 orcas. And they kept on coming right near the boat and cresting. Like oh, it was the oh, coolest man. thing. I'd just be crying. I just like it every was, time I see anything like that, I'm just like, oh. I wish I could. I wish I had the video because I have a couple of videos and it like they're so close. But looking back now, I'm like, man, that's kind of almost scary. Like they could have you know tip the boat or something or like you know but yeah, just orcas... fucking, they're just fucking with you they're like let's go close enough to get oh, totally. as hell. like yeah totally that's amazing yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's funny because i'm a you know i work um i've been on board with sea shepherd and they're good friends of mine i've done a lot of like um campaign help with them because they're my kind of direct action group out there saving the oceans but mm. i have always suffered extremely bad seasickness so it's like this running joke because i keep going out uh, I'm like, I'm going to get over it. If I keep doing it, I won't be sick. I try everything. And I've uh, every time I go out, like I'm so sick that by the time there's a pot of whales or something, I'm off getting sick. Yeah. I'm like, one of these days, my body will allow me not to be seasick. So it's kind yeah. of become really funny. It's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be on the boat. Toddcast podcast. Musical guest visits are powered by Vibe Cave Studios in East Vancouver. Huge mixes. 
killer sounds. Great vibes. Visit them at vibecavestudios.com.
your best way to hit the slopes this winter is with the Cypress Mountain Skycard. Visit cypressmountain.com for details. And now, stop me if you've heard this before on the Toddcast Podcast. Up until the 2020 Tokyo Summer Olympics, if you went to Olympic race walker Evan Dunphy's Twitter page, his bio said something to the effect of non-medal Olympian. Now it says world champion medalist slash Olympic medalist. And he's local, lives in Richmond, which is cool watching the games, rooting on someone who lives just over there. And when Evan was a guest, he talked about getting ready for Olympic events. He would start off in Richmond, walk into Vancouver, through Stanley Park, and back to Richmond. He placed third at the Tokyo Olympics, an incredible accomplishment. Just being in the Olympics is outstanding and winning a medal life-changing. He talked about his first concert, seeing the Chili Peppers, binging Ted Lasso, Our Lady Peace, and System of a Down both came up. So did COVID and the restrictions and the fact that Joe Thornton is his second cousin. And stop me if you've heard this before, Evan talked about his standout memories from the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Um, it's, it's really tough, like going into the games in this environment, obviously there was a lot of uncertainty about what it would look like and, and how safe it would be. And um, you know, a big thing for me was just understanding that it was going to be a different Olympics for the people of Tokyo. Um, you know, the Olympics are a multi-billion dollar price tag that are left upon a city. Um, and going into the game, it was a city that didn't want to host them. You know, the majority of Tokyo residents were against the games happening. So I was really kind of conscious of that and knowing that I was kind of going into, you know, going into Tokyo as a bit of a intruder almost. Um, so what's been really interesting to see is, is how the city and, and, and the country seemed to, uh, you know, at least from what, from my perspective, what I could see seemed to rally behind the games once they started and rally behind the athletes and the stories and, and, and find the positive in it. Um, and then, yeah, to come home and, and to hear that team Canada had zero, um, zero positive cases within our, within our bubble and, and to know that we kept it safe. And, and that means that we're will have kept, uh, you know, the residents of Tokyo safe and all that. It's, it's a, it's a nice feeling. Cause it was, there was a, all those things were sort of uncertain, um, when I was heading there. So, um, there's a bit of a re- relief and a bit of, uh, gratitude, I guess, coming home are probably the two biggest feelings. Stop me. If you've heard this before on the Toddcast podcast is powered by FKP MMA. Vancouver's number one training destination at fkpmma.com. Well, like the Marlboro man and his Mary Jane, take a little trip on a crazy train. Bitch about a problem, smoke em if you got em, I see We got the Kenwoods cranking out a country song Take a Polaroid picture if you can't stay long The wheels fall off, ain't gonna stop tonight A little something to roll, roll on Like a late night winding road A little something And the highway ain't the only highway we'll be on Hand me that ripped up 
guy's name is Kadu, and you're what, like 10 days away now from his show, his Blue Light Sessions with the podcast, January 7th. We're going to have a really good chat with him. You get to ask questions as well. It's not just me. Everybody in the audience takes part as well. 20 bones right now, 20 bucks through eventbrite.ca. That's B-R-I-T-E, eventbrite.ca. 25 bucks if you want to gamble and wait for the door. Should be a pretty fun night. Kadu and I are longtime buddies. We go way back. He played a show with us uh, probably about three, four years back as well at the, at the railway, if you saw that one. Uh, have some really good stories out of him to share, I'm sure. So grab your tickets right now through eventbrite.ca. Played just Spendo. They just did a podcast, Blue Light Sessions. And so the, here's how the night starts. And I thought they are messing with me. Their drummer went into anaphylactic shock right before the show. They're like, uh, yeah, so our drummer is in an ambulance going to the hospital. Everything turned out to be fine. But suddenly the band was without the drummer. And thankfully someone that they knew was there to see the show. They stepped up and played like a djembe bongo type drum thing or whatever. And it was, I mean, it was such a, an amazing night, all things considered. But anyway, I digress. Hope you can make Kadu's show. Again, that's January 7th. Tickets through eventbrite.ca. All right, coming up in just a few minutes in Listen to This, Buck Cherry singer Josh Todd talking about seeing the Ramones in concert and how it changed his life. That is powered by our really good buddies, 
Tedco RV Supplies out in Langley. Love these guys. Like, seriously, these guys have been sponsoring the podcast for about, I think it's coming up on six years now. It's insane. RV Service and Repair, ICBC Accredited. You can find them on Facebook and on Twitter at Tedco RV Supplies. First, let's get back to our year-end highlights and a handful of our sporting guests all of whom are powered by hand-over-hand textiles in Vancouver. Naturally dyed goods for your home or your body. You'll love their work. It's all top-notch items like clothing, accessories. They only use pure plant extracts and natural fibers. In fact, it's actually good for Mother Earth. They also make great presents as well. Locally owned, locally operated. Find them through handoverhandtextiles.com. So AEW wrestler Kyle O'Reilly was a guest in late May. Now, you'll know Kyle since his time here in the ECCW wrestling locally in Vancouver before breaking out. He's now, as mentioned, with AEW and was with the Ring of Honor from 2009 through 2017, the WWE from 2017 till last year. Listen to Kyle talking about seeing the WWE and rock bottom here in Vancouver as a kid and the surreal impact that that show had on him. Uh, man. So growing up in like during the attitude era, you know, I became like an obsessed fan in like 97, 98 and, um, you know, casual, but really not like, you know, ready to dedicate my life to it for any, any, uh, by any means. But so uh wwf at the time came to vancouver um it was a uh, general motors place at the time in 98 they did a big pay-per-view event there uh rock bottom and it was my first live event and i just remember everything about that experience my dad took me with a buddy and i remember just walking in the building and walking up the stairs and seeing the ring for the first time and like the smell of the t-shirt and just the, the feeling and the aura and the atmosphere and seeing you know eighteen thousand people go nuts when stone cold's music hit was like it was kind of a life-changing sort of religious experience for me and it just captivated me in such a crazy way. And you know how kids are, like they grow out of things, they have fads. And a lot of my friends grew out of wrestling and it wasn't the cool thing, you know, for a long time when I was in high school, but it was just something that I really loved. And, um, you know, I was an athlete in high school, but I was also kind of a theater kid and I being, you know, it's a natural progression for pro wrestlers, right? It's, it's sports based and it's acting. So it's kind of a, a nice mix of those worlds. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know, decided <clears throat> this is what I was going to do. And what a cool memory to have for Kyle, who is a three-time NXT Tag Team Champ. He's a founding member of the Undisputed Era and a super, super nice guy, open to talking about more than wrestling, like the 2010 Olympics, what he was doing, where he was watching that. He talked about his love of Nirvana and Metallica and David Bowie, being a huge Canucks fan too. He shared the story of his night, the Canucks fans' riot of 2010, and he talked about his love of comic books, Marvel. DC. Ah, uh, man. I mean, Marvel's just killed it so hard. Obviously, how do you go against them? But th- like, DC's making a comeback. I, if it's if they are, then starting with this. Movie. Hey, the Nolan trilogy for Batman is good too. Uh, this is just such oh. a different take on it. It's really good. Yeah, and even the uh, even that uh, the Joker that they uh, that they, was uh, unreal. Phoenix did man was like, yeah, wow. just the acting alone was <laughs> unreal. Right, which is like, something yeah. cool that DC's doing a little more avant-garde artistic sort of movies, you know, noari type. Yeah. yeah, like Marvel, it's kind of okay, it's kind of campy and a little bit corny sometimes. So a DC's little a little more adult. <laughs> and, and it's and it's almost at that like 
guys, come on. <laughs> I know, right? How many times like, going to look into the camera and say, oh, it sounded better in my head when I said it. <laughs> I know, right? Like, for me, it's like, man, I'm a huge comic book fan. Like, I, yeah. that, that, that monopolized most of my time as a little kid, right? Sure. And it's like, even as a big fan like that, like, yeah, it's almost, we're almost borderline too much. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. Which I just want to see an X, X-Men make a comeback in a new uh, Wolverine cast. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, that Logan. You've seen Logan, right? Oh, Logan was amazing. Like, yeah, I that's, that that's might be the best, best Marvel movie. Yeah, that's the best Marvel movie for sure. Yeah, yeah. and I've heard yeah. that the that the Batman's the best DC. It's kind um, of Logan esque. Yeah. So we'll move from wrestling to the UFC. It was early summer that you heard the number five bantamweight women's fighter Raquel Pennington was a guest. The number fifteen pound for pound fighter. She's been in the game a long time and touched on how the women's game has changed over the years. For me, I think the biggest thing is just watching the sport evolve, especially for women's MMA. Like, it's just, it's really cool. When I first started this sport, I mean, it was not a thing for women. And when I first started fighting, like, um, actually getting in there, you know, I fought some of the girls multiple times just because of the fact that, like, there wasn't opponents. And now to see, like, the young athletes who are starting at such a young age and watching the little kids get on the mats and they're out there wrestling and doing jiu-jitsu in their little geese, like, oh, man. Awesome. And like we do with every guest, we got into more than what Raquel's known for fighting, talking about the shows that she was binge watching. We talked family, first concerts, cheat foods. If you followed the Depp heard defamation case earlier this year, you'll know that Raquel's name got pulled into that trial as a case of mistaken identity. Same name, wrong Raquel Pennington. And you can bet that Raquel had some thoughts about that. It just, it's funny to me how people are so interested and invested and like just the fact that like, if you're going to be so invested into something, why do you not have your facts together? And so I was just, you know, I, it was annoying. I got to a point that I was like, all right, I'm honestly tired of hearing about this thing. Um, I mean, just because I was getting drug into the whole thing, I did go and watch a little bit of it. And I think those girls made themselves look absolutely ridiculous. Like it was just absolutely ridiculous in my opinion. Um, but it just, you know, through that whole process, it really amazed me how people can take the time out of their day and get online and go say the most disgusting things to another human being. For one, like just watching the messages I was getting, I was just like, wow, like the fact that you even take your time to talk to somebody else like this is just like, it just shows character in people. And it also shows how people just really feed off of each other and why the world is the way it is. You know, I mean, there's so much hatred and there's so much segregation because of people's behavior like this and so it was a uh, it kind of like broke my heart just to agree to see reality but then at the same time like you know I had nothing to do with that case so I was getting attacked for no reason and I was kind of just making fun of people with the stuff that they were saying it would they would write me these nasty things and how karma's gonna get me and I was like well you know for somebody that's not invested like I think karma's coming your direction because you're taking the time to write somebody who has no clue and then all of a sudden it was just like Oh, I'm so sorry. We're huge fans of yours. And I'm just like, get oh, out of here. Like, it just really separates people, you know? And I don't know. It was a, it was an adventure to say the least. So from the UFC to the current WBFF world bikini champion, Heidi Cannon was a guest in October local, by the way, she's from Vancouver and talked about what to do if you're struggling to find motivation. Good question. Like to compete or just like to just uh, work just to- out? Yeah, just to work out, just get healthy, you know. It, to be honest with you, like the biggest thing I always say to people is, even if it's a shitty workout or like a, you know, 
it, going for a walk or something like your natural endorphins, you just feel so much better after like, you're just like something's it, better than nothing. For sure. I, I think people get this misconception that they need to, uh, you know, put in like two hours at the gym solid. It's it, like, my cousin and I have our own online program, like our fitness program and our workouts are 20 minutes. That's it. Like they're oh. max 20 minutes. Cause a lot of people don't have time. They're like, Oh, but you can get a crazy sweat on in 20 minutes. Let me mm. tell you. So where, where do people find that? It's called fit in six. So fit and then I N and then number six dot CA. Okay. So we have everything online, our Instagram, all that stuff, but yeah. And tons of programs. We have new programs every month that come out. Yeah, great to talk with Heidi. As mentioned, she's a local girl, kicking ass, taking names. And we talked about literally, you name it. Uh, she has a crush on Ashton Kutcher. She talked about seeing the Rolling Stones, growing up to the music of Fleetwood Mac, Disco, Coolio, ABBA, Gambling, and Las Vegas came up. So did Joe Coy's stand-up, meeting Limp Biscuits' Fred Durst. Hell, even her five-year goal came up. Like, I see myself, um, husband and I have a couple businesses in the States, so... I see myself living in San Diego in five years and having my own show online. That's my goal, and I'm going to make it happen. That's very cool. Have you got a name in mind? Have you got a like, uh, show? Like... It's going to be called Tomboy, and it's going to be like a – this is kind of what we're doing. Like I maybe shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It, in Vegas, the when I go to CMAP, it's gonna, we're filming like a pilot for it to see where it goes. But basically, I go and I interview other women that are like me, that are like cute and like to like shoot guns or like race cars or golf or, you know, do fun stuff. And then I interview these women. That sounds awesome. Right. Kind of fun. Yeah, right? totally. That's cool. cool. That's <laughs> cool. Like how exciting is that to have like that all <laughs> ready and planned out and you're going to have a film crew around you and shit. Well, That's this pretty, is, this is awesome. what we're going for. So you never know where life takes you. Right. That's the biggest thing. I think I like to tell all my people that like, I would never like five years ago I would never see myself where I am right now so you never know like what doors right. open you know so yeah. I think that's fun in a way you can have a goal and a dream but like I think if you keep working towards it you know be open to whatever happens because there's lots of things along the way that you'll be like holy shit that happened or like what like I have a chicken restaurant is that random or what because a year ago I would not think that I'm owning a chicken restaurant and we're opening another one next week and I'm going to it like it's just nuts you know nice, nice. right go with the flow go with the flow you never know what's gonna happen that's kind of it right yeah and from the WBFF to the NHL, retired Stanley Cup winning defenseman Mike Commodore was a guest in early November. He won the Cup back in 2006 with the Hurricanes and joked about that right out of the gate. Thank God I had one good year. I didn't have many, but <laughs> the one good year was a really good year. Yeah, um, yeah. obviously it was a special year. Uh, I'm actually going to run into... One of the guys, hopefully, other today, Rod Brindamore, he's the head coach for the Hurricane or for Carolina now, but mm -hmm. Carolina's in town. Uh, they play Calgary tomorrow. So it's always nice mm -hmm. when they come to town. I get to catch up with now. I really don't know any of the players. It's all the, like coaching staff and shit because I'm getting old. But right, exactly. um, yeah, yeah, no, it, it was a great year. I mean, obviously, I was there. Were, there's a lot of there was a lot of luck involved too. Uh, I mean, I was in Calgary in 2004. Yeah, it was the trade uh, that kind of got you there in the first place. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, I finally signed a contract after we go to the finals. I finally signed a one-way contract. You know, I'm pumped to be in Calgary. 
Then there's a fucking lockout. There's no more NHL. I'm back in the minors again. I'm like, Jesus, I cannot get out of this league. But, and then I had a good year in the minors. And that year we split up farm team, Calgary and Carolina split um, the low lock monsters. So oh. half the team was Carolina guys and uh, Carolina scouts and general manager and head coach. Cause it was a lot closer to come watch games because Carolina's on the East coast. Like the Calgary guys didn't come out there much cause there was no NHL and it's a long ways. Right. Um, and I had a good year and, and Carolina ended up trading for me. Um, so what I thought was a bad thing, the lockout, um, to be honest, looking back, it was the best thing that happened in my career because right. I ended up getting traded to Carolina because of it. And with the rule changes, I think one of the major – we had a really good team for sure, but we were, like, picked to finish – Back then, there was 30 teams. I think I think everybody picked us to finish. They were shitty in the year before the lockout, so everybody thought we were going to be shitty again. So I think we were picked to finish like 28th in the league. Like, we were supposed to be fortunate. <laughs> and we were, honestly, I, I think we lost We lost two games in a row, like a, like a couple times, but it was pretty rare. And I think we lost three games in a row one time during the year towards the end. And other than that, yeah, we were, we were pretty solid. So yeah, it was it's weird how it works out. What I thought was awful ended up being the best thing that could have happened to me. And as a hockey fan, of course, it's great to get guys that have won the Stanley cup on the podcast. And Mike Commodore is a beauty. So we got the interview from Dara, who's one of the owners of our title sponsor, citywide mortgage services. Guess he's buddies with Mike. So Dara's like, Oh dude, by the way, I can probably get you Mike Commodore on the podcast. Dude's hilarious. And he's right. Mike's a great storyteller. Talked about being drafted by the Devils 42nd overall in the 99 entry draft. He kind of went over most of his career in the full talk, the Coles Note style anyway. He played 15 seasons in the NHL. He talked about the shows that he was binge watching at the time. We made him build the ultimate hockey line with past and present players. He talked about seeing the Smalls and Kid Rock in concert and actually how Kid Rock played into the story of him winning the Stanley Cup. That's kind of a good story for like a music end of things. Yeah. We win the Stanley Cup in Carolina. You know, uh, we were up three games to one against Edmonton. The game five was in Carolina. We get a power play in overtime. I'm like, this game's fucking over because our power play is good. So I'm, I'm not on the power play. I'm sitting on the bench mm -hmm. and I'm like, this is fucking done. There's like a 35% chance we're going to score here. <clears throat> we cough up the puck. Fernando Pisani puts it underneath our short end of goal against back to Edmonton. Go play in Edmonton. We get our asses kicked, which not even close. Game's over in the first five minutes. I'm like, this, this is about survival. I'm like, this game fucking game is over. I'm like, I'm just going to make sure I don't get put into the upper deck. And so we're going back for game seven. This is it. I'm like, and my parents want to come down. And I, so I had to tell my parents, I'm like, you know what? I go, I would love for you guys to come down. But I'm like, look, I'm like, if we lose this game, I go, you're not going to want to be around me. I'm not going to want to be around anybody. I just want to do things how I've always done them. And that's on my own. And my parents are great. They're like, we get it. No problem. We'll watch it on TV. Good luck. I'm like, thank you. So we end up winning. And that actually had to change the rules in the NHL after this. So we win, and there had to have been fucking 300 people on the ice. There We got, like, parents, grandparents, cousins, uncles. I'm like, who the fuck are half these people? Yeah. And so I'm standing out there. I'm by myself. I'm like, God, I should have fooled my parents here. They should be out here for this. But I called them. It was all good. Mm -hmm. But I'm standing out there just kind of looking around, just kind of taking the moment in or whatever, and I get a tap on my shoulder. Hey, Tommy, congratulations. So I figure it's somebody's uncle. 
I'm like, yeah, you know, to say, turn around and say thank you. Well, it's fucking Kid Rock. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, Kid Rock? He's like, oh, no, no, call me Bob. I go, oh, Bob. I go, dude, this is awesome. He's like, congratulations. I'm like, yeah, yeah, thanks. I go, hey, Bob, are you sticking around tonight? He's like, yeah. I'm like, can I go out with you? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yes. So we're celebrating in this. We go, everybody goes into the locker room. Kid Rock comes in, the locker room slammed, could barely move. And then we kick everybody else out that's not. So we kick Kid Rock out. It's just the, just the guys now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, hey, I'll be right out. And he's like, yeah, sounds good. I'm like, I'm going to get to go out with Kid Rock tonight. This is going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. So I'm sitting in my stall. I got my shit off. I just have my long johns on. I want to shower and I want to go. So we're sitting in there. And now the older guys, Rod Brindamore, Glenn Wesley, um, Brett Hedekin, and some of those guys, they're giving speeches. So I'm listening. I'm sitting here. And, and they were nice speeches. Don't get me wrong. You know, the, these guys had awesome careers and it was a great moment. But I'm sitting there and in the back of my head, I'm like, these guys need to wrap this shit up. Because I want to go to a party so, with Kid Rock. Party with Kid Rock here. I, I can listen to these speeches later. But anyways, the speech and we ended up hanging out in the locker room till like three in the morning. So I never ended up getting to go out with Kid Rock. My <laughs> biggest regret about that night. Yeah, I should have yeah, walked yeah. out. Fuck it. Just amazing though. Red Truck Beer. Nothing delivers like a red truck. Official beer of the Toddcast Podcast. I'm coming home. Hey, Red Rider. I'm gonna ride on.
The Toddcast podcast is powered by Milano Coffee, bringing you the finest espresso and coffee concepts in the world. Online at milanocoffee.ca. And now, listen to this on the Toddcast podcast. Buck Cherry has been around since 1995, coming up on 30 years as a band. And over the years, you've heard them pump out some massive radio hits, Lit Up, Crazy Bitch, Sorry, to name a few. They're now nine albums in. Their latest, Hellbound, was released in June of 2021. And when their singer Josh Todd was a guest, we talked about COVID and making an album and releasing it during a pandemic, how he used some of the pandemic downtime to become a certified plebotomist. Look that up. We talked about the shows that he was binge watching. We made him pick the albums that he'd need on a deserted island, the music that he grew up with. We talked about jamming with Slash, Duff McKagan, and Matt Sorum prior to Velvet Revolver hitting the scene. He talked about gambling roulette. Rod Stewart and the Eagles both came up. And Josh talked about his first concert, seeing the Ramones. Listen to this. The Ramones uh, Fender's Ballroom in Long Beach, California. Wow, like nothing like, let's set that bar. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a really crazy night for me, you know. Um, a lot of things happened that night. I lost my shoe in the pit, right? I had like slip-on bands on and I lost my shoe. And so I thought my fucking, my, shoe, my foot was getting trampled, you know, and I'm like, I gotta, all I thought was I gotta get out of this pit before, you know, I lose my foot or something, you know? It was actually pretty terrifying, and I, I got out of it finally. And I still didn't have a shoe on, and all I did was walked to the back of the club, and I just sat down against the wall while the Ramones were still playing, and I was just exhausted. I was so glad to be out of the pit. And at that point in time, uh, the punk rock kids and the skinheads would fight. You know, there would be these big fights sometimes, and you never knew when they were going to erupt. So kind of had a thing against, you know, wasn't really into, you know, the skinheads, you know, they were kind of mean. And, um, and so I was sitting there against the wall. I was just like this little like surf punk kid. And, and, uh, this, this big skinhead started walking towards me and I'm like, here we my go. inner voice is like, fuck here, here it goes. You know, we're going to, this guy's going to start some shit with me. And he didn't say anything to me. He sat down next to me and he just lit up a joint and then he passed it to me. And, uh, we smoked a joint and I was like, fuck yeah, man, this is it. You know, I, I just, I was like, this is fucking my people, man. Like, uh, I, I just had such a good time that night, you know? And then, and then it was so funny because I, I smoked this joint with a skinhead and I just sat there and waited it out. Everybody cleared out of the club. And then you saw my shoe, my shoes sitting right in the, <laughs> sitting right in the middle of the fucking, uh, general admission floor right there in front of the stage. And I just went over, grabbed it put it on and left you know that was my night listen to this on the Toddcast podcast is brought to you by tedco rv supplies in langley an icbc approved repair shop visit them on facebook and twitter at tedco rv supplies
just won't settle Add them into my don't break, I don't fancy See me with secret silence in the end And when it comes to it, I'm just trying to chill There's something about her music. Absolutely love Tanya Aganaba. That one is called CC. And I think you may see that one live at her podcast, Blue Light Sessions, the last Saturday in February, February 25th. So we did a show together a few years back at the railway. It was golden. So expect magical things. No pressure here, Tanya, but expected it to be a, a phenomenal night, February 25th. Again, all tickets for the podcast shows at Blue Light Studio, East Vancouver. Pick them up through Eventbrite. 
Ca. I played you Chase the Bear, and that's their song called Home. They're playing a show at the Wise Hall in East Vancouver on January 20th. January 20th. The History of Gunpowder and Cat Madden also on the bill. So you're about, what, three weeks away from that. That should be a great little show. Love seeing bands at the Wise Hall, by the way. If you've never seen uh, been there for, for a show, cool room, great vibe. Uh, speaking of live music, find a list of indie shows, a small list anyway, of shows that are happening locally with the indie scene at toddhancock.ca. If you're playing a show or if you're checking it out, if it's indie, let us know about it. We'll post it up at the website. That is brought to you by our friends at Mystic Rhythms Rehearsal Studios. Over 40 years experience in the music industry. Every band loves it. Great jam spaces. Amazing, incredible pro gear. Check out mysticrhythms.ca for more. Okay, our final guests of this episode 291, our year in review part two, some of this year's entertainment and lifestyle guests. That is powered by Sacred Meds, Canada's best craft cannabis and psilocybin dispensary. Say that one five times fast. You'll also find so many edibles and hash, oils, pipes, bath bombs, not even kidding, at registry, mention that you heard about them through the podcast that will unlock a category, a hidden category on their website and use the code Toddcast when you check out for 10% off your order, sacredmeds.com. So about the mid part of the year, voiceover talent Amanda Sellers was a guest and subsequently since her appearance, she offered to be a voice for the podcast. So the girl that you've been hearing since the summer, like at the beginning, at the end of the podcast, hitting nude beverages and sacred meds, that's Amanda. She's one of the best, no question. Although, of course, she would never admit that. She's super humble, just a wonderful human being inside and out. She's a beauty. We've known each other for, I think it's likely about 20 years or so. We're going back to her time fronting a kick-ass Vancouver band, called Amanda Sonic. So how do you go from being in a rock band to becoming one of the most versatile voiceover actors around? It's a natural kind of evolution. You know, after, like I played music for so many years, I ended up down in LA and I was touring all across the United States with my band. My drummer and my guitar player both went to Harvard Business School. So they ran the, the band like a business as all bands do, but they were like just so... Um, I, I learned so much from them and we lived out of our van. Like we put all of our belongings in storage and lived in this 15 passenger van. And I saw like every nook and cranny of the U S which was was so cool. Yeah. It was like free, um, you know, free education and all the people that we met, it was really incredible. But then my band broke up. I'm like, what am I going to do? And I ended up going from LA back to Saskatchewan and I was offered a radio job and I wasn't into radio, Todd. I just, it wasn't really my thing. But, you know, when you do the pre-production before you go into work, the second that I did the voiceover, like the for the local car company, I was hooked. I absolutely loved it. And I just knew that I had to find a way to make that my job. And, and I just, you know, went crazy, got up at five in the morning, just one of those just really determined that to make it happen. So... That was like 15 years ago, so it's been a while. Really cool to get Amanda on the podcast. The spinoff of having her as one of the voices of the Toddcast is a, like it's a mind blower. 
she talked about so much with us as well, like walking the West Coast Trail, eating vegetarian, seeing Tiffany in concert, family, the music that she grew up with, and starting the voiceoverschool.com. If you've ever been interested in getting into the industry, this is a must listen. So I got so many emails from past radio um, colleagues or actors wanting to get into voiceover because, you know, people think you have to be in a big market to make it happen. But um, I'm right now I'm in Saskatchewan and, you know, busier than ever. So I just came up with this course. It's a video course. It's online on, on your own pace, like take it at your own time, where it's just literally like step-by-step what I did to be successful in voice acting. And I didn't leave anything out. And we've changed lives, like stay-at-home mom from Virginia, who always dreamed of being an actor, like she's one of the top voice actors now. So the people that, you know, have that in them to make it happen, this course, like will change their life. So, and then other people do it just because they're curious about voice acting and it's like really inexpensive to get your feet wet and see if this is something that you want to pursue. Because I find a lot of people will look at voiceover and once they kind of get into it, kind of like acting, right? You're like, oh man, this is going to be a long road or maybe I don't have it. (laughs) I I find voiceover so much easier than like on camera. Shortly after Amanda was a guest, we had on actor Antonio Cupo, another local who I've known for probably the better part of a couple of decades as well. In the same way, meeting Antonio as Amanda, he was fronting Vancouver's rock band at the time called Hybrid Cartel. And it was when I was doing Sea Foxes Afternoon, three to seven, 99.3 The Fox here in Vancouver. I was there from 99 through 14 and Antonio's band was tight. They made the top five back in the day. So it was really great to get them on and, you know, kind of play a game of catch up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's really wild. Actually, I was thinking about that the other day because, um, uh, someone had mentioned something about, about singing and they were just like, it's like, what? Like you? And, and they were like, yeah, Cooper used to play in a band. And they were like, what? And because suddenly, you know, people see you as something because that's what you're doing. It's like, right. if, you're, if you're doing construction, they see you as a construction worker. It's like, well, he plays piano. It's like, oh, really? Sure. Like, I didn't know He works that. at Pizza Hut. He's a pizza guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, there's, there's, and you know, you could be so many things in life and you could, um, you know, I, I guess it represents a kind of a period in my life because I did in a way, um, you know, turn my back, so to speak on it and, and just kind of move in another direction. I, I was always at the same time I was playing music, I was kind of always acting. And what had happened was I was taking all of my acting money and spending it on music. And I had this sort of light bulb go off in my head because, you know, music is like, but when you're, when you're like, you're buying guitars, you're buying amps, you're buying studio time, you're, you're buying everything, right? you know, it's like, and, and for what, you know, like, yeah, you get, you get a few spins on the radio here and there, but that's not going to pay your bills. So it's really a labor of love. And when you, when you approach it like that and you understand it as, as that, I think you can start enjoying it in a different way. But yeah. you're trying to make money from it because that's all you want to do. You want to play rock and roll. Um, you know, that's that's kind of like, a, and maybe it sounds a little bit like a kind of romanticized notion of wanting to play rock and roll and, and being very poor is is actually the real case uh, because that's that's usually how it plays out. 
Right. It's a grind the whole time. Like it never, the grind never stops if you're in a band like that, right? It never stops. Never. It never stops. And I remember we were like, even before Hybrid Cartel, you know, we were like making, um, making uh, mixtapes, like the, our songs, like putting it together on cassette tapes uh, with a band called Starfly. Um, and we would, we would go in, in, yeah, in the lineups, we would, we would go in the lineups of like the Roxy or whatever, when bands are playing, we just like hand out tapes. Yeah. 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 People would take these tapes and put them in their cars. And three years later, be like, oh my God, I still love that, you know, that, that mix, that tape that you guys made. I have it in my Chevette. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, everyone had a Chevette back then, right? It's just like yeah. a Cavalier with the, like a cassette player. And of course, all the while Antonio is in the rock band hybrid cartel, he's also acting and nailing some really good roles. If you listen to or watch the full interview at our YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, he talked about COVID and how it affected production on movies and TV sets. He talked about family, talked about the music that was in his house as a kid, like Cream and Elvis, folk music. He talked about the shows that he was binge watching. And Antonio shared a story about starring in L with Penelope Cruz and this story does not get much better. Uh, did I ever tell you about the Penelope Cruz story? No. Oh my god. So we were like we were on that set. Isabel Crichet is the director. She's she's just phenomenal. Um and and Penelope Cruz and I show up, you know, I get I get hired for this job and I I'm I'm playing her brother. I'm playing her brother in the movie. That's what I get hired for. And I was like, okay, cool, you know, play a brother in the, in the movie. And, and suddenly, you know, I, I get a call a few weeks later and it's like, hey, um, uh, there's been a big change and um, uh, you, Penelope no longer wants you to play her brother. And I was like, oh, and I remember I was in LA and my agent called me and I'm just like, oh, that sucks. All right, well, you know, it was kind of too good to be true anyways. And, you know, let's just move, move on. And she was like, no. Uh, in fact, she wants you to play her lover. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah. Um, she saw the headshots on the wall and she was like, no, this guy can't be my brother. He's got to play my lover. And I'm going, uh, this is insane. And they said, oh, and by the way, for the change, they want to like increase your rate because they, you know, they feel bad that you, you know, lost this role for this other role, uh, casting. So, and I'm just like, oh, okay, like literally I will do this for free. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and, uh, oh, and uh, so then I finally, you know, and, I, and I, it's like a month and a half away or something. So it's, it's some time and I'm just working out like crazy. I'm like, I'm playing her lover. It's going to be this like grandiose sex scene. This is like my, you know, like my, uh, it was that, that they always say Brad Pitt was discovered for his, his part in Thelma and Louise where he's like, you know, plays like the guy with this Six pack in the hotel so, room, area. I'm like working. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, yeah. So I'm working out every day, just killing myself in the gym. And I show up on set, and you know, Penelope's there, and we're like ready to start. And and the director's explaining the scene, and it's in the bathroom, right? It's just like this this sex scene in the bathroom. And I'm like, okay. So I said, she goes, yeah, throw her up on the counter, you know, and like, and then you have sex with her here on the counter. I was like, okay, but where do you want me to take off my shirt? And she's just like, what? I'm like, where do you? Like, I'm just going to like, I'll just take it off. Like before, like, she's like, no, no, you're not taking off your shirt. You're, you're having sex with someone. Have you never had sex with someone in the bathroom before? You don't, you don't take off your clothes. You just, you just have sex with them. And I'm like, oh, oh, no, I just figured maybe like, cause I wanted to show off my body. I was like, yeah, this is going to be amazing. I've been working out for like, you know, a month and a half, killing myself in the gym. <laughs> I'm getting nice. like 
branching amino acids, protein powder, creatine, you know, like I'm going through the list. There's like, she's no, you like, keep your shirt on, bud. Yeah. She's like, yeah, keep your shirt on. And actually, like this is like, it's gotta be better than this. Right. So anyway, so we start the scene and she goes, um, she goes, and, and, and you know, we're I'm making out with, with Penelope in the, in the bathroom. And, and, you know, I go, I sort of go sort of halfway with things. I'm not really too, you know, I'm just kind of feeling it out to, to see how it's going to go. And the director goes, cut, 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 cut. She goes, cut. Antonio, for us, the um, breasts are very important. And I'm like, well, for us, they're important too. You know, she's from Spain, right? She's like, yeah. for us, they're very important. Can you take the Penelope breast in your mouth? And I'm like, excuse me? I, I said, it's, it's, <laughs> what? Is, is Penelope okay with that? I turned around and Penelope's like, James. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. I was like, okay. I mean, this is the, you know, the, I guess the, uh, this is the stuff they don't teach you in acting class. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, wow. we go ahead and do the scene, not to get too graphic. We get all the bits and pieces the director wants that don't end up in the movie. Um, uh, but it is, an, it's an incredible, an incredible experience. <laughs> all the way around and I got to meet Penelope of course and um you know that was before yeah, sure you sure did <laughs> yeah 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 of course she was really embarrassed it was funny because I'm like this she's a big star right and I'm just a guy from from Vancouver and I'm, I'm like uh she's like I'm not used to doing these kind of scenes and she goes it's never uncomfortable for me and I said just don't worry just think about how how lucky you are to be doing the scene with me <laughs> and she started laughing <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. That's yeah, the icebreaker. From actor Antonio Cupo to one of the most influential people to get me traveling down the broadcast path as a career. You heard longtime Canadian broadcaster Stu Jeffries on the podcast in mid-September. Of course, Stu was the host of Good Rockin' Tonight back in the day. Friday nights, the night for music videos. Friday night videos good rocking for me it was grade five grade six something like that and it was it was a ritual i mean popcorn pjs a bunch of candy let's watch the week's new videos of like yes owner of a lonely heart van halen jump duran duran hungry like a wolf like the wolf uh michael jackson's beat it huey lewis in the news if this is it it, it was the coolest and Stu was a big reason why playing the videos interviewing the bands i mean straight up he influenced me like nobody else in those early days that was crazy. I mean, I've never been in a situation like that where you can go to anywhere in Canada and people know your face before you know them, or you've never been into a city and they know you before you know them. It's crazy yeah. uh, and really cool, uh, but like just nuts. And I think trying to sort of harness that and sort of trying to figure out a way to deal with that sort of recognition was a little bit difficult. And I had taken over for Terry David Mulligan, who is very well respected, particularly in Vancouver. And, uh, you know, I knew a lot of people loved him. And when I came up on board, I'm, I know there were a lot of people that weren't happy. Um, so it was kind of a tough sort of go to begin with. But then it became, you know, my show, I don't know, maybe three seasons in, I started to feel really comfortable and know that I could carry it from there. 
Mm-hmm. So those are my best memories from that show for sure. Nowadays, you'll hear Stu Jeffries on Boom 93.7 in Toronto. He's their morning guy. And what a career. Program director and midday announcer in Regina while he's hosting Good Rockin' Tonight. LG 73 in the late 80s, early 90s, interviewing some of the biggest rock stars on the planet. The highlight in terms of an interview uh, or interviews, I would pick two because they're they're so close to my heart. Uh, Paul McCartney and Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits. So they're two people that I just, they're my wow guys. Yeah. Uh, and so to be able to talk to those two um, was amazing. And, um, and of course, now this is way before, obviously way before smartphones and stuff. So when you got a picture, that picture was worth like a million words, right? And I got both because I, and I never asked anybody I ever interviewed, I never asked for a picture. Uh, and it was only Paul and it was only Mark Knopfler. And uh, so those are two that still are on my my wall of uh, fame, uh, you know, that I'll always cherish. And they both ended up being wonderful people. Um, McCartney, I will never forget. My producer, Ken Gibson, and I are in my hotel room uh, hours before the interview. And we're going over questions. And he said, uh, well, obviously, we're going to have to talk about the Beatles. And I remember thinking, going, like, he probably like he's talked about that all his entire life like a, a, yeah really like are we really going to go there and he said well come on like i mean you got to i mean he's a beetle and we we're like yeah okay and so we were coming up with questions that we might ask and whatever my first question was i can't remember he answered the question and then took me through the entire cycle of his, him getting into music him meeting john the beatles the whole thing in like this most gorgeous minute and a half soundbite and i remember thinking of course he's done it so many times i mean this is how he executes it right and i thought i just had such i respected him then but i respected him even more for his answer and for him to appreciate that we all love him because of what he's done before and what he's done now and it's it was great and mark Knopfler, for the lowest key guy ever had the greatest sense of humor and you know he was he was put in not like one-liners but just the way he'd answer the questions were very tongue-in-cheek and you could tell he's got a little smirk while he's answering and i'm thinking i never pegged you for that guy i pegged you for a serious musician guitar guy but clearly he liked to have a little fun uh and uh, we both kind of wore for this picture we got we both kind of had the same sort of outfit on a jacket and a black t-shirt underneath he had a blue and i had a red and he was commenting on that and Simple things, but those are the things that are like super near to my heart for interviews. And from a legendary broadcaster in Stu Jeffries to a legendary filmmaker and screenwriter, it took us far too long to have on Maddie Granger as a guest. You may not know the name, but you will know some of the stuff he's worked on over the years. He started his film career in 99 working as a videographer on the original X-Men movie. Gee whiz, that feels... uh I was in the music business in the nineties and I, I spent quite a bit of time in the music business. And uh, my band was sort of like, we were like the go-to opening act for like everybody in the nineties back in Toronto. Um, so we played with everybody from the headstones to um, I'm Mother earth and Harley peace, all those sort of bands. We were like the, the go-to opener. Yep, and, yep. and during that time, I was always asking the guys in the band, I was like, can I, can I make us a video? Can I make us a video? And they kept trying to want to, hire other people and i was like let me just do it let me let me make the video let me, let me just and i was and i and i always knew that is what i wanted to do like since i was a kid i was making movies as a kid when i was 12 years old mm. like 
my dad would bring home a video camera from school and I'd start making movies with the neighborhood kids. And I'd be, they'd be always, there were always horror movies and I was always killing somebody. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, You're ready for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, we, I, I, I think, I feel like I always knew, you know what I mean? And, but it was when yeah. they gave me that job on X-Men and I just kind of lucked into it. You know, I lucked into this job and next thing you know, I was, on the movie, I was, David let me write a scene that's in the movie. Um, it was an intimate relationship. It was part of the brain trust of what was going on. And it was really um, my education, you know, and that was how I learned to make movies. I learned how to write movies, learned all that stuff. And, um, you know, it just, it just, I got, I got really, really lucky early on. And I just knew, I just knew at that point that that's what I was going to do. So together, Matt and his brother Mikey are known as the Granger Bros, and they've been banging out phenomenal work for well over a decade. Visit their website, thegrangerbros.com. It'll give you a really good look at what they're all about. You know, and after talking to to Matt, it looks like their horror short, uh, Chained, is being made into a feature-length film. That short was an official selection of Screamfest LA 2011 and got the 2012 Rincon International Film Festival Award of Excellence. Too many stories to share this week, but you do need to hear the full 40 minutes again at our YouTube or SoundCloud or wherever you listen to podcasts. Listen to him talking about career highlights and some of the cool things that have been passed along to him. One of the neat things I have is actually Hugh Jackman at the end of X-Men 2 gave me Wolverine's jacket. Come on. That, I think that that's the, the neatest thing that I've, that I've collected over the years. Yeah, I've got some neat stuff. I, I started just grabbing stuff. I think, I think you, you just see stuff. It's just neat to have mem- mementos of, yeah. of what you've done. And uh, so with um, at the end of X-Men 2, Hugh knew how much I thought that jacket, that brown leather jacket was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Pretty badass, uh, yeah. Last day of shooting, he grabbed me. He goes, he goes, he goes, come to the, come here with me, Mike. Keep it quiet for a second. And we went over to sort of like off to the side of the set. And he goes, go to my trailer. He goes, open the door. And there's something for you. It's just hanging on a hook. You'll see it right when you walk in. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, take a bag. Don't let anybody see it. And I was like, okay. So I open the door and there's this soup bag hanging there. And I unzip it and open up the, suit bag and there's wolverine's jacket <laughs> yeah it was it was one of those and um so yeah so that's sort of sort of my crown jewel but i but i've got all sorts of neat stuff like when i was with russell on uh on uh superman it was man of steel and uh he rewrote um the big Jarrell speech at one point mm. and um he wrote it down in pen and pencil like he just wrote it all out and he uh gave it to me and we'd rehearse it back and forth and do a lot of rehearsing with it and then uh i put it in the pocket of my jacket one day and i walked away and that was it eventually the movie ended that was the end of that so like got that too seven six seven years later i found that jacket again and then i re- and then at that point that movie had become like an, an enormous huge. Yeah. and huge. And uh, I found this jacket and I opened it up and there's Russell Crowe's handwritten Jarrell speech. So I framed that. I've got that. Just nerd stuff, man. Nerds. Yeah. I love it. 
entertainment guest visits are powered by Sacred Meds, Canada's best craft cannabis and psilocybin dispensary. Visit sacredmeds.com and mention you heard about them through the podcast to open up a hidden category on their website. And use the code TODCAST at checkout for 10% off your order. They are called Wild Dove, and their song has come back to life. Uh, they're playing a podcast, Blue Light Sessions, at the end of next month, January 29th. Looking forward to catching up with their singer, Devin. Uh, he was fronting a band called Echo Nebraska 
a handful of years back. If you're listening going like, man, that guy sounds super familiar. That's probably what it is. Uh, we used to play Echo Nebraska a lot before they broke up. Of course, as always, tickets for Wild Dove for all podcast shows are available at eventbrite.ca. And that is going to do it for this one. Episode 291, our year in review, part two, our final podcast of 2022. We're going to take a couple, two, three weeks off here, do some snowboarding at Cyprus, watch some movies, maybe even go to a theater, unplug the batteries and recharge. It's felt like a long year, to be completely honest. Some time off right about now sounds perfect. Once again, my name is Todd Hancock. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends about us. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, comment and rate the podcast. A simple search of Toddcast Podcast. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Come say hi. Huge thanks to all of our wonderful sponsors. You can find links to all sponsor websites at toddhancock.ca. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, you can for as little as 10 bucks a day. Contact info is at the homepage. I'm down for a beer, down for a coffee, anytime. And if you help us find a sponsor, we will give you a commission. If you know a business that should advertise with us, send them our way. Till next time, don't be an asshole because nobody wants to be around that. Have fun, play hard, and most of all, believe in yourself. You've been listening to the Toddcast Podcast, powered by Citywide Mortgage Services, dedicated to helping you find the best mortgage rates. Available seven days a week at citywidemortgage.ca. 